Welcome to All Places Together. Here we believe that our stories are connected to one another and rooted in God's radical love for diverse creation. Wherever you are, whoever you are, however you are, take a deep breath. This week's episode is called Grace for the Ages. On this week's episode, we're celebrating how God's grace and love are with us, whatever our age may be. We'll take a look at some of the particular joys of each age and how we can always learn about God from one another. Our discussion partner for today at All Places Together is Pastor Kim Baronado, and we're actually welcoming her back because she was part of our very first mixtape. Kim is a United Church of Christ pastor in Southwest Pennsylvania. She just moved churches and is now the solo pastor of a congregation that has a daycare. So shout out to Long Swamp UCC in Mertztown, Pennsylvania. Y'all have got an amazing new pastor. Kim has previously served as an associate pastor focused on youth ministry, as a chaplain at a retirement community, and also her district's youth director. She also has camp leadership experience. Kim has a master's in divinity from Lancaster Theological Seminary. She is married to Chris, and they have a baby and a dog. And in her free time, Kim enjoys day hiking the Appalachian Trail in Pennsylvania, baking and sewing. Welcome back to All Places Together, Kim. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Me too. So today we are talking about age, and in many of our God's Boundless Diversity conversations, we've started with definitions, but I think most people like know what age is. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit more clear. Um, so we're just going to jump kind of right into this celebration aspect. Great. So you have ministry experience with every generation that's alive right now, from the oldest among us to the youngest among us. So I'd love for you to begin our conversation today with things that you love about each of these age groups. Sure. I think you find a lot of diversity within age groups in and of themselves. So these are generalized statements, but I love working with younger kids um, at church because they are so curious and they're eager to share everything they know and what they're learning and they just want to know more and they want to tell you everything. I think kids are so open to the wonder of God and wonder is one of those places where God seeps in in unexpected ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we can really look to kids for, for that wonderment um, and understanding of God. I love working with teens and young adults because they're asking hard questions and discovering their identity and learning about themselves being created in God's image. And the elderly in the best context are kind of like the teens and the kids again. They're discovering who they are and often in new ways. When I worked at the retirement facility, you had older folks who were figuring out who they were maybe without their spouse around or figuring out who they were without taking care of children or grandchildren. So they're also in this period of life where they're discovering their identity and may even have a sense of wonderment about what's coming next in their life. Um, and so it's really fun to work with the elderly, especially when they're open to new ideas. I found that a lot of programming I've done with kids and youth, I just do it at the retirement facility, too. Oh, that's so interesting. I never yeah. thought about that before, but it makes so much sense that they're also at this huge life transition. Mm -hmm. And like 
what does God mean and how do you relate to God? Maybe too, when like you're experiencing a move, like you're moving into mm-hmm. a retirement home, whether that's like a community or just your dream house somewhere, you're moving in with right. kids, those kinds of things. And it's who am I now without the responsibilities that I've spent the last 40 years focusing on. So with that, when we talk about sort of regular adults like our age, you know, people with kids, without kids, that sort of 35 to 55 age group, I actually think that's one of the hardest groups to work with because we're so busy with the ins and outs of daily life and we have so much to think about and we're paying our bills and and managing all of the things that come with a job or two jobs or three jobs or whatever it might be. I actually think that's one of the hardest age groups because there's barely time to breathe, let alone think about deep questions of faith. Feel that. Feel that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so actually that I find to be the most challenging group is my own age. <laughs> that's so interesting because I think so many times People may think, oh, well, it's like easier to relate to your peers, but I don't know. I kind of resonate with that, too, because I often feel like as a Christian who is also a millennial, I just tell people, like, I'm the weird one. (laughs) Like, I don't speak for my generation. Like, I'm weird. Absolutely. Yes, yes. When people say, where are the millennials there? I'm like, I don't know. I'm here. I don't know where they are. (laughs) But yeah, give me a 17-year-old or a 77-year-old. I don't want to hang out with with my peers at church. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, kind of focusing in on those younger kids, both children and then also youth, those 17-year-olds, I think one thing we hear a lot as pastors um, and leaders in the church in general is like talking about kids as the future of the church or we need young families so that these children can carry on our traditions like how will the church exist if there aren't kids in the pews right now and I'm Mm -hmm. curious how do you respond to those types of comments and questions yeah those types of comments and questions make me furious <laughs> because children aren't the future of the church. They're the church right now, this second, and need to be treated as though they are on their own valid faith journeys. And we should want them in church, not because we're trying to get the traditional church to survive, but because we have Christ's love to share with them and we want to provide a safe space for them to grow and learn and continue uh, their faith journey. Children don't exist so that the church as an institution can survive into the future. Preach. Yeah. So are there particular ways that you encourage adult Christians to live that out, um, whether they're part of a traditional church or maybe they're just trying to parent children? I think relationship building is the most important, those relationships between uh, different generations. And One of the beautiful things about the church, it's one of the only places that intergenerational relationships outside of the family exist. Where else does Miss Sally become like a grandma to your kids or Carson starts mowing the lawn for Mr. Smith or even Cindy's parents don't like to fish, but Bob and Sue would be happy to take her on a fishing trip. It's just a beautiful place for these intergenerational relationships to happen. And we experience God's presence through other people. And so it's important that we have these meaningful experiences with folks who are different from us, age included, because we need to see God comes in all forms. And that includes all ages. 
Amen. I love that. Those examples, I think, are so true that it just takes a community to raise children and and to exist as adults as well. Like we were made for community and we need each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that I don't think there's value in, you know, specific church programming for specific age groups. I think that's very important, especially when it comes to kids and teens, because they need that safe space away from their parents to discover who they are and challenge their ideals and things like that. Um, however, these intergenerational relationships are so important um, that I think that's a thing we should be focusing on more than making sure we have like the perfect Sunday school classes for the different age groups or the perfect program for for this age group. Um, the church is built on relationships, not on programs. Yeah. Jesus was all about relationships. I don't really think Jesus had a program. <laughs> yeah. So with all of that in mind that you just shared, how do you see children sharing faith with adults? Like we kind of, you know, you kind of talked on the teaching that happens from adults to children, but I also think it can happen children sharing back up to adults. I don't know if that's the right preposition, but what have you encountered instances of that in your ministry? I think one of the best ways for kids to teach adults is to give them the leadership opportunities that the adults normally have in church. Mm -hmm. So whether that is having them read scripture, um, hand out communion, being greeters and ushers, just by leading, I think they often teach the adults what church is about. And I think when we talk about kids teaching adults we generally think, oh, man, these kids could come give a class about computer skills to the elderly. Help me use but, my iPhone. <laughs> right. Yes. But it, we should be focusing on the passions of the kids themselves and just getting them into roles where um, the adults can see them, you know, leading and sharing their faith journeys. That's what's the most important thing. So with that, I wonder, do you have a preference between a dedicated youth Sunday where youth are taking over all of the leadership roles for a given worship service as compared to youth who youth and children who are just in like the regular rotation of um, lectors, which are people who read the Bible, you know, ushers, people who are helping welcome into a space like do you have preference between those two? Do you recommend both? I think it's both and. I certainly love Children and Youth Sunday. It sometimes allows for more creativity if you have a really traditional church. They uh, let more things slide on Children and Youth Sunday. I love it. But, yes, (laughs) but Children and Youth have always been a regular part of the rotation for um, liturgists, for ushering, for collecting the offering, in my experience. I remember recently at the church I just left, um, they were struggling to find ushers um, starting to come back from being worshiping at home. And the two first people to volunteer were like third and fourth graders to usher. And we couldn't get any adults to show up. But these third and fourth graders wanted to be the face that greets people when they walk into our church because they love their church so much. That's teaching adults. Yeah, that's teaching adults more than anything else could. Well, and I'm sure their parents, too, like that with the children wanting to show up in that way, like it Mm -hmm. invites the parents to also show up in intentional ways as well. 
But it takes valuing kids in that way as their own individual people on their faith journey for them to feel comfortable stepping up into those roles. Yeah, that you've already established enough of a relationship um, Mm -hmm. that the child is willing to be like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Like, I know enough about worship to say, Mm -hmm. welcome, like, here's where you sit. This is where the bulletin is. Like, that's where the bathrooms are. Like, that they know enough about the physical space and the community to be able to do that, to feel be like, oh, yeah, I got this. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love that. And so let's kind of shift to the other end of the spectrum, um, to those older adults. And I know that in your ministry at the retirement home, you did all types of, you know, worship services and programming and faith formation. Um, But I was wondering kind of if in particular, if you could share some stories or memories that you have from working with with the residents who experienced dementia or Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and, and how did their faith, how did... Were they able to still interact with their faith and how and like what did some of those interactions look like? So the current generation that's in the retirement facility, the majority of them have a really strong connection to the church. They grew up in the church. And for so many of them, those core memories of worship and singing and Sunday school live so deep within them that they can still come out even when they can no longer have a conversation with you. Um, And I found that the best way to engage folks with dementia is always to meet them where they are, to never try to reorient someone to the world around them. So engaging folks with dementia in their faith was utilizing familiar prayers, familiar scriptures and songs. You know, even a resident who didn't know where, where they were could still sing the old rugged cross or could pray the Lord's Prayer And when someone is in those later stages in dementia, it's all about comfort, those pieces of their faith journey that have brought them comfort throughout their life and repeating those with them. For people at earlier stages in dementia, there's a couple different things you can do. Of course, the comforting prayers and songs and things like that. But one of the things that I really enjoyed doing is we would print off these large images of People maybe sitting down to a family dinner or on a tractor mowing their lawn or a stained glass window, and we'd look at the images together and see what memories or words came up. And these often led to conversations about family and faith, things that they couldn't just talk about if you asked, but something about those visual images made them able to engage with um, the memories of their faith. Um, And that was always a really meaningful experience. It's not just about the pictures. I actually use smells and sounds and textures. Ooh. I had these little like cup things that had different smells in them. And we would even use those to engage different memories and things like that. And, and it could spark meaningful conversations still. But for a lot of folks with dementia, it's about comfort and, and reliving those songs and scriptures and prayers that were so meaningful throughout their lives. Mm. I think that makes so much sense. And I also wonder, on that smells, like, are there particular smells that are connected to faith that you kind of intentionally drew on? Or, like, what were some of those smells? I'm just really curious. 
they they were all over the place. It, it was a, a dementia set, so it had things like laundry detergent or vanilla and cinnamon for baking. But it had things that were a little more perfumey that I think if you went to a church that maybe used incense or more of the high church um, traditions, those might invoke a, a memory from that as well. Yeah, or maybe I'm trying to think churches that might use bread, like fresh fresh baked fresh bread, bread for mm-hmm. communion. Or like wine or grape wine. juice. And people with dementia could often always take communion. They knew what it was. Somebody who didn't talk anymore would just open their mouth and hang out their tongue and be ready for the body of Christ still. That's so powerful. I remember one of the visits I did in my previous call. I think it was maybe the first member who died. He was not that responsive at the end and in the Lutheran tradition and others as well when we're having communion we'll do kind of a back and forth of the Lord be with you and also with you we lift up our hearts we lift them to the Lord mm-hmm. and and he knew all those words mm-hmm. um, like right off the bat and and shared those every single time we had communion including including I think the last time too mm-hmm. in a way that when I took communion to younger generations, even if they were healthy and stuff, they didn't always have those words memorized without Mm -hmm. me prompting them or having like a bulletin to look at in front of them, which was, I don't know, just powerful that he, he held on to that. Yep. I think that will be actually one of the challenges that extended care facility chaplains face um, as generations age is that there won't be those core memories held by large groups of people that were affiliated with the church. Um, I think chaplaincy in those facilities is going to change a lot in the next 30 years. I am sure you are right. I've never thought about that before, but I, I think that makes a lot of sense when we think about the generations that are there now and who will be there in 30 years. So one of the other big transitions that has happened in your life this past year, Kim, is that you became a parent. You're a mom now. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder (laughs) how being a parent has changed how you think about church, because I know that you've always cared about kids in church. Like this has been an important part of your ministry, you know, when you worked at camp, when you were in college and these types of things. But I'm wondering, like, how has that changed since becoming a parent? I spent a lot of time running programs, camp programs, Sunday school programs, vacation Bible school programs, and community things like Easter egg hunts and all sorts of programs for families, which are great and really important. But entering a church now with my eight-month-old, those things don't seem as important as finding a church where The people in the pews will encourage my child on her faith journey, love her through her mistakes, and show her the acceptance of Christ no matter what happens. As the days go by, that just feels so much more important to me than, oh, we have Sunday school every Sunday for all of these age groups, or, oh, we have this for kids. I just want her to be loved for exactly who she is. And sure, do these programs get people in the door? Yes, But the thing that makes people stay is a congregation that genuinely shows those loving relationships to children. Well, and that's a different focus or distinction or emphasis to say that 
yes, maybe these programs get people in the door, but if your relationships aren't there, if the authenticity mm-hmm. isn't there, if the people who are living them are not embodying like God's love with their actions, with their words in their daily life, that faith isn't being shared as fully as it could be like i'm sure like the kids are having fun like they're maybe learning new skills they're making cute crafts like they're in a safe positive environment and Mm -hmm. that's you know good in and of itself but those relationships are so important and that's what you remember growing up i certainly have good memories of vacation bible school and camp and sunday school but i remember the people more than anything else, and the individuals who I talked to and helped me grow and and helped shape me. And I think that's just such an important thing to hear and to keep in mind right now. Like last week at my physical therapy appointment, they know I'm a pastor there. And so two of the therapists were kind of talking about how they're really concerned about their children and faith and getting back into Sunday school and getting back, you know, into the swing of things. And are they learning about God? And it wasn't quite the right moment for me to say some of what (laughs) we've talked about. Like, well, you know, like if they know that you love God and you love them, You know, those are kind of like big keys that can happen with or without a program. But I think that that's a pressure that a lot of parents are feeling right now who have kids of any age, like navigating church in a lingering pandemic, someday post-pandemic world. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So in all of this, we have talked about God and God's love in so many different ways. And so I'd love to be able to wrap up our time together with talking about the Bible. And I wonder if there are particular verses or stories or characters that kind of speak to the giftedness or belovedness or treasure that is all of the different ages and generations in life. I think everyone always goes to Luke 18 for the kids. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And I think that ties back to that wonder thing we were talking about, that kids more openly accept the kingdom of God because they are more open to wonder and whatever is out there. I think that scripture is a beautiful example of being like a child helps us understand God's kingdom better. And that's Jesus. Remind me, I know it's Jesus talking there. And who is Jesus talking to at that point? Is it to the crowds? Is it to the disciples? Maybe both? I think it's both because... Trying to remember which gospel says what. Yeah. (laughs) It's when the disciples are trying to keep the kids away from Jesus. Like, he's too busy. He doesn't have time for your kids. And Jesus says, no. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus says, no, bring them here. (laughs) They're important too. Yeah. For uh, for teens and something that I loved myself as a young person, I started seminary at 21 and started at the um, retirement facility at 24. I was a very young pastor when I started. I loved First Timothy uh, 4. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith. I love that. I feel like that's yeah definitely a part of youth ministry work that Mm -hmm. I've heard or done as well. And that just really ties back to like what you were saying of of teens being the church now and young adults Mm -hmm. also being the church now and not needing to 
be 40 until they. Yes. You know, or <laughs> Jesus it. was a young adult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jesus was what, 30 when he started his public ministry? <laughs> Crucified by 33? Like, Kim, yeah. we're already past that. <laughs> we are. Yeah. I think for older adults, there are sort of two ways you can go. I think sometimes you need comfort, like Isaiah 46, even to your old age and gray hairs. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. Or sometimes you need to know you still got it, like Moses in Deuteronomy. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were undimmed and his vigor was unabated. I love that. Because I think we forget (laughs) how old. Does that mean that Moses was called when he was 80? I think so. Those Old Testament uh, Bible Fathers and mothers are really, really old. Are really old. Yeah. yeah. I feel like in the Prince of Egypt rendition of of Moses's <laughs> life, he does not appear to be 80 years old when that Correct. Yes. starts. He's very young in that movie. Yeah. But I love that. Well, and two, I, when you were sharing these, I also, it came to mind the Pentecost story um, mm. from Acts chapter 2 where uh, the Holy Spirit comes and descends on the Pentecost, people like as tongues of flame on their forehead, Mm -hmm. and they can suddenly speak all these languages, and they get accused of being drunk, but they're not. And and Peter says, like, your old men will see vision, and your young... And your young men will dream dreams. So it's like the whole gamut (laughs) of like... And and there's women in there, too, at a certain point. It's not just the men. Um, But that, like, really also kind of spans the, the... the full spectrum of ages that God is at work in all of these ages. Absolutely. At every point in our life. Thank you, Kim, for joining us here at All Places Together. I love the joy that this conversation has had when we think about all of these different ages and how God's love is with us, however old or however young we may be. You are welcome. It was so great to get to do this and talk about one of my favorite subjects. Prayer for the Ages. God of all time, you know us from when we are in the womb. You love us and treat us with dignity when we are children. In adulthood, your strength sustains us. When we are older, your peace remains in our hearts. And whenever it is that we pass from this life to the next, You carry us in grace and mercy. No matter our age, help us to see your life within us each and every day. Open our hearts to see your belovedness and wisdom in people of all ages, even when we might want to brush them off, saying they are really too little to know, or they are too old to understand. You always love us, and are with us, whatever our age. Amen.
Thank you for joining us at All Places Together. If you heard yourself or someone you know in these stories today, we hope that you heard God too. Hearing from you all, the listeners, your reflections on the God's Boundless Diversity series has been so encouraging and led me to deeper understandings too. Laura shared on Facebook this past week how she is still so taken with the story of the rocks from the Rock of Faith. This was the episode that we learned about Chelsea Morris's ministry with people experiencing homelessness at Micah Street Church. Laura said that she was still thinking about how the rocks transitioned from being hardship to a source of giving. So I wonder what other literal and metaphorical things in our lives have also started out as an indication of hardship, but moved to a source of giving, strength, and maybe even nourishment. It's more than we can unpack here, but I wonder if we can think of the cross in that way. Anyhow, this is all to say that your comments on Facebook, Instagram, and emails mean so much to me. They keep the conversation going and deepening. I can't quite share all the details yet, but I've got some exciting plans for the coming months that will invite all of you who are regular listeners into a more intentional community and regular dialogue. Stay tuned for more. But one thing I can share about is that we are going to share communion on Zoom for Easter. Easter is Sunday, April 17th, so just a few weeks away. This will happen again on Zoom at a to-be-determined time. I'm finalizing all the details and will have them for y'all soon. However, if you know you're interested in joining, please email me at allplacestogether at gmail.com to get on the list. All are welcome. And that email again is allplacestogether at gmail.com. A-L-L-P-L-A-C-E-S-T-O-G-E-T-H-E-R at gmail.com. If you would like to share a contribution to help All Places Together continue to grow this year, you can give through our updated website. Scroll to the bottom where it says Give Here and you'll be redirected to our giving platform. Thank you to our mission partners, the Virginia Synod, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and all of those who have shared financial gifts. We know it can be hard to give financially. We celebrate all of the ways that you share the stories of all places together with the people in your life and engage with the APT community throughout the week. If you listen to All Places Together on Apple Podcasts, I invite you to leave a review. This helps new listeners to find us and to know what we are about as a community. If you don't listen on Apple Podcasts, I invite you to take a screenshot of whatever platform you do listen to us on and then share that on one of your social feeds with a few words about why the podcast means so much to you. Until next time, remember that God loves you wherever, whoever, however you are.